What'd you say? <laughs> oh, you trying to catch me? <laughs> trying to catch me out there slipping? <laughs> you always say like the perfect cold open right before we start recording. Like you kill me when you do that. It's a, it's a knack. That's a, a special <laughs> skill of mine. <laughs> truly, truly it is. Civics, y'all. A political conversation for all of us. Well, hey, Noelle. Hey, Emily. <laughs> How are you doing? Oh, good. It's Friday. I had a good dinner. So, like, tell me tell me about your voting experience, I mean, especially now with, like, COVID and everything like that. Like, was it the same place? It's probably not the same place you normally vote, right? Well, actually, they don't have the place I normally vote as an early, early polling location anymore. Um, it used to be at a firehouse around the corner from where I live, and that location was taken away. But... I work downtown and it was within walking distance. The location I went to was the old courthouse and there was a polling location on the sixth floor. And we kind of formed a queue around the building on the outside and uh, everybody six feet apart, everybody wearing their masks. And they said, okay, we're letting people in now. And they kept telling us it'll be about five more minutes or 10 minutes, about five minutes. Kind of like waiting in line at, at, at a theme park, actually. And I was like, okay, guys, time for the pre-show. Whoever people were voting for, they were very determined to be there and get that done and take care of it. So, yeah, it took probably like three or four minutes to do the voting stuff and 20 minutes to wait. And that was about it. You voted in, you know, New Orleans, obviously. So how was how was your voting experience? Um, I mean, it was pretty similar. Um I got to admit, I've never voted early before, at least not that I can remember. Um, and in New Orleans, like, I particularly enjoy voting on election day. There's something like there's like a charge in the air. And like, I've always been able to like walk to my polling location in New Orleans. Like it used to be a fire station when I lived uptown and it's like a school near me now. So I was determined to vote early this year because, you know, I had that kind of not a quite a scare, but a recent experience where a coworker tested positive for COVID, and mm. um, I tested negative, but I also quarantined for a couple of days just to make sure I didn't develop any um, symptoms because, well, I, I was experiencing mild symptoms, but they were, I could tell. I mean, I, I was pretty sure they were probably something else and um, and not COVID, but just to be safe, I stayed home, and I was, you know, I couldn't help thinking like if that happens and. I was like asked to self-isolate or quarantine by a doctor and my quarantine like overlapped with election day, I would be like, you know, excuse my language, but shit out of luck. You know, mm. um, I wouldn't get to exercise, you know, my franchise, you know, my, my civic duty. So I was like, that's not going to happen. I'm going to vote early this year. And the, loca well, the location I went to is not too far from my house. It's a place I've never been. Um, it's a community center. Um, and uh, there's like a, there was like a school behind it. And it was like, I, I kind of feel like I was watching like a scene from The Handmaid's Tale at the school, to be completely honest with you, like, because we, we could see the, like, the kids playing on the playground, like during uh, recess. And like the girls were clearly talking to each other, but like the boys were like running and playing and just like screaming their heads off. Like it felt like a flock of seagulls the whole time. Um, Not the band, but, but mine. <laughs> but mine, yeah. Mine. Sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> but um, anyways, uh, I bring that up to say just to kind of paint a picture because like the line was kind of snaking around the community center and then up the staircase. And when I first got into the line, like it was it was pretty long and it was like around the edges of the building. Um, and and I was like, uh oh, but you know, this is what I signed up for. This is what I'm here to do today. I don't know if you had the same experience that I did, but I like printed out my ballot before I went in and like wrote notes and, to myself and all that stuff. So like, cause it's a really long one. We have like a whole bunch of judges this year for, um, in New Orleans, at least and trying to keep them all straight was a real challenge. So I have literally one, two, three, four, five page document that I took in with me. Did wow. you? I know. Right. And, that's, and it is that's impressive. Well, I mean, it's marked up. It's it's the ballot off of GoVote, you know. Um, yeah, and then- I just brought my phone and had my <laughs> my ballot on my my GoVote app selected, so I could kind of go down the list as I went. That's that's what I did. Unfortunately, I couldn't really do straight ticket voting a lot. But when it's more than one Republican in the same race, <laughs> yeah, literally, that's that's what it pretty much was. Um, I I didn't have to do quite as much research as you did. <laughs> it was a combination of oh that one or lesser of two evils. That was generally. I've never really seen something like this before, but we had sixteen judges plus DA, and almost all of the judge candidates for especially for like criminal court mm-hmm. are Democrat. So I've never had to evaluate this many Democrats before. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is like a good problem to have because usually as as you just pointed out in in Louisiana it's like I have to pick the lesser of two republicans um or the greater of two republicans <laughs> you know well, have you seen I don't know if, uh, how long it's been since you've seen the the, the treehouse of horror episodes are all curated in order on Disney plus oh fun <laughs> and so Jim and I have been watching the treehouse of horror episodes and citizen kang took place during the Bob Dole, Bill Clinton election. And it is as prescient now as it is then. But anyway, is the mayoral race happening this year or is that next year in New Orleans? It's next year. Um, So yeah, that wasn't on our our ballot this year. So you remember that conversation we had, like one of our very first conversations about... um, Knockdown the house? Yeah, like knock down the house. Well, remember we were talking about like those political flyers that are pretty much useless, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, this year though, I saved them. Um, The most interesting one to me came from American Trail. It's a like a really, it's a four page flyer. Um, It's pretty big. It's glossy, and it's from Action New Orleans, and it's the um, Mayor Latoya Cantrell's endorsed candidates. And it's like all the way down the ballot, like sort of like here's what you should pick. Huh. Um, Are legal? I mean, I, I don't know. I I don't know. Seem, I don't know if I mean I guess because you got it. It's such a weird line between <laughs> because like at the beginning saying you know politics should is personal but it shouldn't be and I mean back in the day you'd have to like stand in front of people and just it's, it's not a it wasn't a secret ballot back in the day you just like yell out who you voted for look at the bottom look underneath the yes to sports wagering one okay yes do you know what that is at the bottom probably something to do with um uh, millage coming up <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it. 
So I already kind of went over this with Jadi about like how as as a city employee, I can't speak negatively about the mayor or the city in a public setting. Um, whenever we have millages that come up, I cannot advocate or endorse. How, uh, I cannot tell people how to vote. I can only tell them this is what will happen if you vote yes. And this is what will happen if you vote no. So again, I'm not telling people how to vote. I'm just saying what I can say, which is that a yes vote will defund the library immediately um, at the end of this year. And um, a no vote will allow us to maintain our current funding and through 2021. But it's really interesting that this is on her endorsement flyer. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, it's very clever. It's very clever. It's very sharp. And it is very calculated. And that's what I will say. That's all I've got to say about that. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's okay for you to say that. Uh, <laughs> you're not under a, not under a gag order. <laughs> no, I'm not. So much of this year has been sort of like directed towards this vote. You know, I mean, really since like 2016 and 2018. But like for me, like really being politically engaged and invested in, in this vote has has been this year. So I I texted you and then I tweeted, I voted early for the first time today. It was great, but also anticlimactic. I think that's because this was the first year I've really known that this is just the beginning of my work as a citizen. So like, I'm glad that we voted early. And I did kind of have like the sense of relief, like that it's that that's done, that that's in. So like, if I get sick, or like, if something happens, or now I can focus on helping other people vote on election day, because I do have it off of work, you know, so Mm -hmm. maybe I can volunteer to like drive people to the polls, or I'm looking into being like um, an election defender, which is like somebody who kind of like goes to the polls and make sure that no one like interferes with somebody's right to Mm -hmm. get into the building. I guess the reason why it felt anticlimactic is because the work isn't done. My vote is in, but like the work isn't done. And we're probably going to have some runoffs in December. And now I'm gearing up for a whole nother like, you know, election in December because Mm -hmm. I'm I'm very focused and oriented on that, you know. No, that's awesome. Uh, Um, Of course, I should have screen capped it, but public citizen. um, Let me see if I can find it. Early votes for the 2020 election, 47 million, have exceeded the entirety of early votes in the 2016 election. It's still 12 days before election day. Keep it coming. Mm-hmm. And actually, there's a map that I'll link to in the show notes. Um, it's like it's a constantly updating map of the U.S. where you can see like the early voting numbers and you can see it by state. I think you can even drill down and get like, you know, more data. Noelle, our work's not entirely done, but I'm, I'm really proud of us for having voted early. Uh, it's nice. Thank you. I am too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I know we're recording kind of late, and so I hope you have a really good evening. You too, hon. Thanks. Talk soon. Hi, guys. How are you? Hi, I'm uh, Toby. I'm a high school senior. Just turned 18 this year. Congratulations. And who else do we have on this call? I'm Toby's dad, uh, Thomas. So, um, Thomas, you're a listener on the show, so this probably won't surprise you too much. But, Toby, I think some of these questions will be new to you. But I, I tend to ask everybody the same set of questions, and it's really cool to see the different answers that people have. So, you guys ready? Yep. <laughs> okay, so the first question is... Um, what do you remember about learning civics? Was it in school? Did you learn it from your family? Um, and when did you learn civics? 
I never really had a class specifically titled civics. The closest I had was a essentially a double class a year or two ago in high school. One half was about the U.S. government. One half was about other governments. Only one half is really applicable here. That was how I learned it. It was not the most fun, but it was something I needed to learn. So it sounds like what you're saying is, is you had like one semester of American government. Um, was it American history or American government? Uh, this is an American government class. This is a few years ago. This year I'm okay. just in world civilizations, like uh, world history. But, oh, okay. So you're, but your American government or your U.S. government class was an entire year or an entire semester? It was one semester. The other semester was comparing the U.S. to a few other governments, like U.S. to Britain and, I think, India and uh, Iran, I think. Well, that's interesting. So you have like a, a comparative world government class or something that's like that. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. And then this year you're in, in world history or world government? Uh, world history. Okay. So it's less government-based, but more history, which there is a lot of overlap between those two things. Um, and you're in school in Louisiana, right? Yes. So this is all really recent for you. That's really cool. I love talking to somebody who's basically just learned about American government and civics because I expect you to be the expert. Um, I don't know about that, but... <laughs> Okay, and so your dad, Thomas, uh, when, you know, when did you learn about civics and how and what do you remember? It was a long time ago for you, right? Almost 100% sure. It was 11th grade. The reason that I'm not 100% sure is because civics for my class was a glorified study hall. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think we learned anything in that class. It was just used to do homework for every other class. So I've had to piece together, uh, you know, learning about how things work in the government since then. And that was 97, 98. Yeah. So, and you also went to school in Louisiana, right? Yes. So that's really interesting because like essentially the two of you learned about American government and civics in the same, same place, but just like what, 25, 30 years apart? Uh, Toby also had a it is in a public school and I was in a private school, so. <laughs> yeah, he seemed to have a better experience than you did. <laughs> I mean, exactly. My class was one of those advanced placement things, so. Yeah, because you're really smart. <laughs> I try at least. Yeah, Doesn't your dad's your dad's pretty smart too. What have you done to teach yourself about how the government works, to, uh, Thomas? Until the last maybe 10 years, I was fairly unconcerned with anything outside of my local area. Once I started at my current job and we had the TV on the news all day there, anytime you know, something was mentioned because of the nature of my job, I could uh, multitask and look up what exactly they were talking about. So hmm. it was more a piecemeal as opposed to focused. And that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that as the catalyst for you getting interested in, um, in government and politics. So what channel would you guys be watching? Is it always like the same station or channel or, or do you guys flip around? 
I prefer leaving it on the one of the local channels. If we have to put it on another channel, it's either CNN or normally the Weather Channel. Hmm. Yeah, the Weather Channel is pretty applicable to your job. Well, I don't know if you want to say what your job is, but you're welcome to if you want so that the listeners understand that reference. <laughs> I work with DOTD, the, the local state highway agency. Like, for instance, whenever I have to, like, think about evacuating, I usually, like, contact you and I'm like, hey, what's the deal? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we, we go way back. I should tell the listeners that um, if you hear me ribbing Thomas, we're, we're pretty much the same age, although he's a little older than me. And uh, we've known each other a long time. And I have known Toby. I've known you your entire life. And uh, that is going to come into play for this next question. What do you remember about your first election, the first time that you voted? And for you, Toby, that was just a couple of days ago, right? I think it was yesterday. <laughs> so it was yesterday. Okay, so hopefully your memory is, is still pretty clear about the first time you voted. You want to tell us about it? It was pretty much fine. I had basically looked at the ballot early, kind of looked at a few the candidates for various positions, been like, all right, who's good, who's bad? etc etc and then for any laws that were on there too at the end i did the same for look up what anything meant that i didn't understand and then decide yes or no we got there waited in line for a while masked up etc uh, went in yeah about an hour waiting or really just an hour overall that's not too where bad. we just kind of got in line outside the building made our way in over time and then it was just through the electronic voting machines where it's just a little touch screen and you didn't get a sticker which i'm bummed about because our <laughs> our secretary of state has nixed the stickers this time around um, and that's usually a nice little boost after you vote <laughs> your reward for doing all of this homework is this sticker i actually still have a <laughs> sticker on my water bottle from when i voted fairly recently. So let me ask you a question then, a follow-up question to that um, before we talk about your dad's first election. Like for instance, we just recorded, me and Jadi, my um, co-host or one of my co-hosts on the on this podcast, we just recorded an episode talking about the amendments to uh, the Louisiana Constitution. There's eight of them on our ballot. And we as an adult, as adults with a lot of experience kind of wading through these things, found it pretty difficult to sort them out. What were your thoughts? Do you have any thoughts about the amendments and how did you how did you research them? How did you decide what you wanted to do? Basically here in Louisiana, we have a little phone app where you just type in your credentials and whatever, and it shows you the ballot that you on there. And so essentially what I did was I Googled the like code for each of the laws that were going to be voted on and then looked at them through online, like Googling them just to see what they are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And once I had a general understanding of what they were and how they might affect things, then I would decide, all right, I'm going to go no for this, yes for that, et cetera, et cetera. So Thomas, tell me about your first election. Do you, what do you remember about your first election? I turned 18 right before, or during the run-up to the uh, Gore-Bush election. I, I don't think I voted in any any local votes before or, uh, elections before that. So I th I'm pretty sure my first was the uh, presidential election. 
and uh, all the disappointment that came out of that. And you were, I mean, you were disappointed about sort of like what happened afterwards. Was there anything in particular besides the results? The results mainly, like it was at that point, it was the same way I feel about LSU losing a football game. It's a, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. (laughs) Go on with my day. Now I feel differently, but now I have a better understanding of things, so. Thomas, was that the one that went to the Supreme Court? I can't remember um, where they had to decide. I think it was. Yeah, it was. There was an issue with the votes, uh, the ballots in Florida. Mm -hmm. So everything went down to this this kind of archaic voting system where you would take your ballot sheet, a piece of paper, and you would punch holes out of it. And some of the hole punches were because they're used for hundreds of people of election and then multiple election they weren't sharp enough so they left instead of punching a clean hole it would leave a the piece of paper just kind of leaning off and when it was run through the the ballot machine that counted it all it messed things up whatever the eventual result was gore conceded and bush took that election yeah I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but it looks like Florida may mess us up again and not just Florida. Um, And then also this is another election that may end up going to the Supreme court. I don't know if you guys have put any thought into that. Oh yes. A (laughs) hundred (laughs) percent. What about you, Toby? I mean, this is your first election. um, And I remember being like very concerned, especially with what happened in that election. I think I was very sort of like disappointed and frustrated with, because I, I remember being like, oh, I got to vote for the first time and very sort of enthusiastic and optimistic about the future. And then sort of like the battle that came out afterwards kind of soured me a little bit, I think, about politics. Um, do you have any thoughts about what may end up happening with this election? I didn't really think about it going to the Supreme Court or anything, but I guess it for me, voting wasn't as much of a happy-go-lucky thing like you said it was for you, at least at first. I just kind of did it already knowing politics is terrible. And so here I am just going to attempt to make that not as terrible. (laughs) I'm sorry. I feel like, I mean, I felt bad for my generation when I was young, but I think especially now that I'm, I'm an elder (laughs) and I've known a child all the way up until adulthood. I think I'm just, I just feel wretched for the world that we're giving you guys. You shouldn't, be so jaded about about the world and all of that. But I'm so proud of you for being invested and doing your part and in voting and in researching your vote. I'm really proud of you for that. Thank you. <laughs> and you know, I was very invested in you voting. <laughs> I uh, I think I was like checking GoVote maybe more than you were um, to make sure you were registered. But, you know, you actually taught me something. Um, You told me about a quiz that a person can take to sort of figure out their ideological leanings. And do you remember remember that quiz that you told me about? Wasn't it like isidewith.com or something? Yeah, that was it. Um, I'd never never heard of that before. And we're going to have to like share that in the show notes because what I basically figured out and taking the quiz after you shared it with me is that 
I am a lot more, I lean more towards democratic socialism than I ever thought that I did. Um, and I think that like, if I'd ever stopped to really ask myself, you know, do I lean towards democratic socialism? I probably would have been like, well, yeah, probably. But I didn't realize how thoroughly I leaned in that direction until I just sort of saw the percentages right there in front of me that my answers had gotten me. I mean, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to be like the, uh, the boomers that'll just say, ah, socialism, kill it. <laughs> we definitely have to include that. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess, I guess socialism probably looks a little bit different to your generation than it does to like mine or the boomers, for instance. I think it's a little bit more, I can't, I can't speak for everyone, I guess, but at least for me growing up and having my first election be this dumpster fire, seeing a system where your vote more directly has an impact on things and people aren't allowed to starve because they can't sit behind a counter and give people burgers all day and um. get basically no money for something like that. So I think it's just, at least to me and to a lot of my friends, things further left like that, more socialist, et cetera, et cetera, are a little more appealing because it's let it focuses less on creating, I guess, an enemy, which is what a lot of things today are. And that means things like homophobia, all the things really. That's a really, really good point that I think that I'll include myself in this, like generations before you have gotten sort of, they didn't necessarily create this dynamic, but they may have just like, unthinkingly joined this dynamic without, you know, without really pa pausing to think if it had to be this way, where um, there always had to be like two sides, like there had to be a good side or a bad side or a winner or a loser or a good person or a bad person or a good thing or a bad thing. And it seems like maybe you guys aren't as, um, you guys aren't as, as binary. And I think that that really goes to like, I've thought for a while that spectrum really is sort of like the word of the last decade and maybe it's like the word that most applies to your generation as well that everything is a spectrum it's a lot more complex than the binary that older generations have sort of like either created or sort of like adopted without thinking you know our generation when i was getting out of high school the the internet boom was still going uh america was basically everything was on the up and up and things have been a much more of a roller coaster up and down, up and down throughout Toby's entire life, basically. Anytime mm -hmm. the country was talked about, it was another great, the uh, great recession during his life. Whereas my life, it was, you know, the Berlin wall fell and the computers became everything. And um, everything looked like it was on the verge of, utopia. So Noelle has this really great question. And since you both know Noelle, this will be really interesting. I like to give her credit because it is a really good question and people have, you know, very intense responses to it usually when I ask. So what do you think it means to be a good citizen? I might need a minute to collect my thoughts. <laughs> to unpack um, that. It's a deep yeah. question. Uh, I can... Go if uh, that's okay. Um, I think it's it's about empathy. If you're a citizen of the country, you're part of a country, and you need to have empathy for 
the people in the country that are not that may or may not have the same access to things that you do or the same uh, ability to prosper that you do. And that doesn't mean there you can't aspire to be better yourself, but you have to remember that as part of a larger group, if everyone's doing better, the group is doing better. I agree with you. And I, I love the way that you put that um, and that you feel that way. But it is, you know, it's really interesting because um, things, I mean, things are complex. People are complex, right? And I think that people would say, there are some people who would say, yes, but the thing that makes me prosper doesn't make everyone prosper. There's a lot of people, I think, who really believe in scarcity and they believe that like, you know, not everyone can prosper or that like, or that we are sort of on opposite sides. What do you, I mean, what do you say to those people and without, you know, getting angry and just shutting down the conversation because I have done that before. It's fine for you to prosper, but if everyone around you isn't, you're just a um, feudal Lord to a bunch of serfs. And I know some people are fine with that, but most people, I think if they really thought about that and thought that, you know, if they have two or three kids and something doesn't go right for two of their kids and one prospers, you know, their future, their grandchildren, great-grandchildren, you could have one side of your family be completely destroyed by one person's bad luck. And another side, if they're not willing to help have empathy and you don't have to give them personally do that, but if they, if a, the society in general is there to help the least of us, then the least of us are get better. Sometimes it's, you know, you'll be the least of us one day, you know, not everyone is in a perfect spot their entire lives. Right. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, it's not only having empathy for other people, I guess, but having empathy for like future you <laughs> as well, you know, and, um, or people who are in currently in a situation that you may one day yourself be in. Mm -hmm. or people in your family have been in in the past or your neighbors or people you care about. Well, Toby, do you feel ready to answer? I have a follow-up question to your dad. If you're not, if you need a little bit more time. I think for the most part, I would say the same as him. Although I think it would, it should be, I guess this might not be part of citizen, but just, I think it's important to not just care about just this country, I think it should just be people should not worry as much about us versus them. What are those people doing, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like someone as a citizen of a country shouldn't see world events not happening where they live and say, oh, okay, they should take a little bit more of an active, like, look into it, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe try to get something in, within the country to help whatever else is happening. Overall, the same as what he said, just with a little bit wider scale. Just to not kick people down and then laugh, you know. Well, you know, that tracks with your generation, I think. I think that a lot of people in your generation, or a lot of people are starting to, to feel this way, but I think it's more common in your generation that... 
I mean, what started to happen when your dad and I were your age is that, yeah, we started talking about the global economy, the global village. We started realizing that, like, you know, we started being a lot more connected, interconnected with other countries because of the internet. You know, the fluidity of commerce and the sharing of ideas really picked up because of the internet. And it couldn't, it couldn't necessarily be in entirely controlled by the government in the way that it had been before. Like there's a lot of people now calling for like, you know, no borders, you know, and that maybe, maybe we've outgrown the idea of countries entirely. What do you think about that, Toby? Do you think, it seems like you identify yourself more as a, like as a, as a world citizen than just as an American citizen. Yeah. I don't think I'm quite as tied with I don't think nationalism is necessarily a good thing. Like being proud of your country is okay, but a lot of people take it way too far and use it as a way to essentially normalize every other country suffering as a direct action of theirs. And I guess part of it is that for our generation with how open, but with basically, I think part of it is the internet especially is that, with how easy it is to communicate with people on the other side of the planet these days, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier for uh, our generation to empathize with everyone because we can see that it's not just a collection of them. It's the commies, it's the Chinese, it's, the, it's people, mm-hmm. people that see beauty in things, see horror in things, see pain, suffering, laughter, joy, whatever. We see them as humans and not just them. Whatever label we've decided to call them. Yeah. Yeah, that was really, really well said. You got really eloquent there, kid. Thanks. (laughs) Okay, but so I love the ideas behind what it takes to be, I mean, what it means to be a good citizen. But like, do you, do you have any thoughts, especially you, Toby, do you have any thoughts about like, what you can do to be a good citizen, either of the world or of America? I guess for me, a lot of it is the social part of things. Like what what I would say is just, even if it's not something like immediately buying a ticket over to help a different country in need or whatever, it's, Mm -hmm. I think just in general, people should be less socially close-minded. I think it's people should be able to just see someone and see that's a person, not say, oh, that person is from this place, or that person is this thing, like this group of people, or whatever. I I guess it's just one way to do that is to just focus less on what a person is, and where they're from, and more just on the fact they're a person. To go with that, I think... Most people don't have the ability to affect global politics or global anything. They can just affect local things. So you have to do your best to be informed. Try and make sure your voice is heard locally in the ways that will trickle up to more larger groups like, uh, you know, Local elections go to state elections, go to national elections. I always like talking to you guys. Thank you guys so much for coming on the show. And thank you for, thank having, you for us. having us. Jinx. <laughs> 
since the last time we recorded, um, me, Noelle, and now you have all voted. And Noelle and I talked about what our voting experience was like. So where did you go to vote? Like, did you go to the Smoothie Center or? So I went to City Hall and my main takeaway is that I did not get an I voted sticker. I don't like that. I don't appreciate that. <laughs> Something needs to be done. Well, <laughs> the Secretary of State decided that we did not deserve I voted stickers this year. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a big fan of those stickers because every every time I vote, I take a picture of it, put it on Instagram, uh-huh. and it's like yeah, I, the thing will say, you know, I voted, and then my caption will be, "Did you?" Uh, you know, it's like a tradition. But now I don't have my sticker, so. What was I supposed to do? You know, I have an art project for your whole family. The secretary, <laughs> the secretary of state has I voted stickers on their website. You can print them out like on a shipping label and make a sticker. Oh, for real? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'm gonna do that. Shoot. Yeah. <laughs> if you print some black and white ones, maybe the kids can color them. <laughs> yeah. <yay. laughs> I was disappointed there was no sticker too. And like the family that like I kind of befriended that was in line behind me, the parents um, in the family were kind of like, um, I think they're the ones that told me that you could print the sticker from the uh, secretary of state's website, but they were like, I'm sorry you didn't get your sticker this year. And I totally felt like such a millennial when they said that, (laughs) like I needed my participation trophy. Because, you know, doing the thing is is doing the thing, not the sticker. You know, like I did it for my civic responsibility and duty, not for the sticker. But I did miss the sticker, too. I did it for the sticker. <laughs> did you, like, not know that we weren't getting stickers this year? Yeah, I didn't know. I, I, I legit didn't know. Um, <laughs> we kept it from you to make sure you still voted. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was going to walk out. Was... <laughs> Obviously, I'll vote for the sake of voting. I'm just joking about the stickers and like, you know, lest anyone accuse me of being less uh, civically responsible than I pretend to be. Um, um, but wait, so like, so you went to city hall. How long did you have to wait in line before you could vote? Um, it was about 15 minutes, maybe. What? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't as long as I thought it was not. It, usually it's shorter than that. Usually we just basically walk in <laughs> and, and go vote. There's usually not that long of a line. So um, this, for me, was kind of long, you know, 15 minutes. But I'm hearing in other places, they have to wait hours. So I, I should yeah. be grateful. Well, it was about 45 minutes to an hour for me. Um, oh, where, for real? Where, where'd you go? I went to the Lake Vista um, Community Center. I didn't want to go to City Hall, mostly because of, like, it's a tighter space. Um, and that, that's why they opened up the Smoothie King Center, um, was so that people could have they could like socially distance more comfortably when they were waiting in line. What time did you go? It must've been like, what time did you go when you went to city hall? Let me see. I went around maybe 12 o'clock noonish, something like that. Like what on a Friday? On Saturday. On Saturday. They had a concert going on across the street from city hall. Yeah. A lot of the parking spots were taken. Wait, are you talking in the park? Yeah. in the park across from city hall. Yeah. That's interesting. But, but I mean, you know, it was cool. There were there were um I don't know, maybe twenty or so people in line. And you know, mm-hmm. we were doing social distancing, so it took a little, you know, a little longer than usual. But you know, we have these fancy look like giant iPads. <laughs> you know, we have to stick our did y'all have to do that where you that you got like a little card and you have to uh-huh. stick the card in your iPad and then vote. On the touchscreen? 
Yeah, yeah. Me and Noel both had that experience too. Okay. All right. I, I wish we could write in candidates. We don't have uh, that's, <laughs> that's apparently not legal in Louisiana. Weird. We have such weird voting rules. Did you take a printed copy of your ballot with your research in with you, or how did you? Well, I wrote it. I wrote it down on um, a Google Doc, and I mean, I kind of remembered who I was voting for, but there were a couple that I didn't remember, so I just opened up my Google Doc, mm -hmm. looked, and then you know, voted for who I was supposed to be voting for. I made a few last-minute changes, though. Um, I made a last-minute change on Amendment Seven, I think. Which one is Amendment Seven? The is one that about the uh, creating the unclaimed funds mm -hmm. account or something like that. I was going to vote yes, but then at the last minute I voted no. Um, and then I think I made another last minute change on one of the offices. Uh, you know, for the most part, it went, you know, according to plan. When did you decide that you were going to vote for Joe Biden? Probably the morning of like Saturday morning, because I was trying to do like last minute like who else can i vote for and i'd already looked through all the candidates and didn't find one that i liked and i just kind of like went through one last time i was looking at the becoming one nation party but then i read about the people who were running and like none of them seemed ready for the office <laughs> you know so i, I was just I, I i ended up just voting for biden yeah I mean, I, w I really wish the Green Party would have been on the ballot. I think my sister, somebody told me that the Democratic Party is the one that had them uh, essentially kicked off the, the ballot in a lot of states. So I, I would have I would have voted Green, but they weren't on the ballot. So, yeah, I mean, like that seems like we got to investigate that. We got to see how that is legal, because the fact that like it is a registered party in Louisiana, the Green Party and we didn't have access to vote for that candidate, like is really, really frustrating. The other thing I was, I was going to say about Biden is, is that I, um, you know, I decided to vote Biden when he was the Democratic candidate, although I was really um, annoyed about it. But of course, when it happened, we all kind of knew that by the time they, they picked him, we knew that he was going to be the guy, um, the person, um, since we actually had some hope for a minute there. So I, I decided pretty much then when he was the candidate that I was going to vote for him. But then actually our conversations about third party options, the, the, un, was it the unity party? I don't like the name of that. No, not the uh, unity. Becoming one, becoming one nation. Yeah. The becoming one nation party. Like I really considered voting for them for a minute. I was kind of like, well, I mean, Jody has reminded me and you're not alone that my vote doesn't really count in new Orleans. And I mean, you know, in, in Louisiana, so I might as well vote for like some women. Why not? Yeah. But then, you know, I wasn't sure if I was going to do that because part of me is still kind of like in the back of my head, holding out hope that somehow Louisiana might flip and might surprise the, the country. I don't think <laughs> that's, that was what my sister said. She said, no, I'm going to vote for Biden because you never know. <laughs> you know it might, we might surprise some people. <laughs> yeah. Surprise some people, right? If enough of us are, are are ready to surprise some people, we might surprise some people. So, so then I was like, so I was going back and forth. I was like, it would be throwing away my vote, and then it was, and then I would be like, no, maybe it wouldn't. You know, like wouldn't maybe it wouldn't matter. I could just vote my conscience, like all of those guys get to do. <laughs> I don't have to vote collectively. I can vote what I want to do. I mean, I didn't know enough about them. I didn't think they had enough of a chance to win. 
maybe if they were like had been a little bit more established instead of and you know and then and then what Maurice said really hit home to me that a lot of these a lot of these parties and a lot of these these platforms might have been sort of funded by either the Republican or Democratic parties in order to try to like take votes away from the other exactly to take votes away from the other to give to give people other options besides Biden and Trump to kind of muddy the water and I was like well I can't let them win if that's their goal like I can't fall for that you know I can't fall for that muddying the water technique you know I feel like great because maybe it'll work and maybe one of these third parties will get five percent of the vote and then start getting federal funding and then get in on the national election uh, the the uh, presidential debates and you know maybe it'll backfire on them so good <laughs> i didn't know that it only had to be five percent in order to get sort of like national recognition you know i don't know so I, I did literally i did listen to you and maurice and i did listen to you know to everything and i so it was funny because I, I thought I was a decided voter and then I was like, but I actually am somewhat undecided. Like I am, I'm open. I'm curious, right. To who the candidates are. And if, if, if it hadn't been like, there's one democratic candidate on the democratic ticket, if any of the people that I kind of liked from the democratic, like um, debates had sort of like jump ship into another, another party, mm-hmm. I might have voted for them if Andrew Yang. If oh yeah, I, I was gonna say Andrew Yang. Yep, if Yang would have went independent, I would have definitely voted for him. Yeah, if 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 he had gone independent, I would have voted for him. If if Elizabeth Warren had broken with her party, I don't even know if she could have at that point. I would have voted for her definitely because she was my number one candidate anyway. If if Amy Klobuchar, even freaking Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> had gone and had broken with the democratic party and gone and gone to another party. I would have voted for, I think any of those candidates, Cory Booker. I might've even had voted for Cory Booker. Um, I might've voted. I probably would have voted for Kamala Harris. If um, I don't know what I would have done if more than one of them had done this technique, (laughs) but, but like if any one of them had done this, I would have voted for them instead of Joe Biden. Okay. So is there anything else you want to say about your voting experience? No, it was pretty standard, you know. Um, I vote pretty frequently, so it was pretty much par for the course. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I know my vote is not going to count this year, at least for the president. You know, my presidential vote is not going to count, and likely my Senate vote is not going to count, which, you know, that's a little disheartening, uh, especially when I keep seeing these ads for go vote, your vote counts. Yeah, and I I mean – I was going to be pugnacious actually and, and just say like, well, but like, what if, if you're only listening to like people telling you, you know, telling you he has the better chance, but I feel like we've almost like switched sides and this is like the upside down or, or something because like, I feel like that's like an argument that you were making to me about third party candidates at one point. Like, you know, if you're only. No, it is. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, this, <laughs> this to me is. Uh, so, all right. So let me, let me say this. My, endorsement of of third party voting is not absolute you know i'm not saying in every situation in every case you should vote for a third party in our state where our vote if you are more liberal leaning voter Mm -hmm. for president your vote is not going to count so why not vote third party if you were in a state where it was hotly contested then yeah you probably should vote for for biden (laughs) if you're anti-trump Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that in every situation, in every case, that you should vote third party. 
but you know where it makes sense where you could you know if, if there's not a um a major candidate uh, or a candidate on the major party in the major parties that you like really love or one that you don't really hate then third party is you know just as good of an option you know mm-hmm. uh, i forgot to tell you i started to tell you um what what it came down to for me like why i ultimately voted for biden um because i i was kind of decided then undecided and then i was like okay i'm voting for biden and what the ultimate thing that sort of like cemented it for me was a friend posted on facebook something that a friend of hers had posted said that a friend of theirs had said just give me a reason why i need to vote for biden i'm trying to reconcile with you know with doing it I know that I can't vote for Trump and I know that voting for anybody else is basically voting for Trump. So give me a reason to feel okay or good about voting for, for Biden. And then um, the friend of my friend sent out basically a message to her friends and said, share the reasons why you're voting for Biden. And within like 15 minutes, she had this like slate of like politically savvy people who had either like worked with Biden and also just regular people who were just choosing to vote for Biden for whatever reason they were voting. But she had this like really long list of reasons. So she didn't even give her friend one reason. She gave her like a lot of really convincing reasons. Mm-hmm. So the friend of my friend shared this on her Facebook wall. And then my friend shared it on her Facebook wall. And I saw it and I was like, that's pretty darn convincing, you know, because it was a group of people saying why they were enthusiastically voting for Biden, not just voting for Biden because meh, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) and they were pretty convincing. And like, ultimately that was the thing. I mean, I probably would have voted for Biden anyway. I, I probably would have been in the booth and been like, just too afraid to vote for anybody other than Biden, because what would happen if we were stuck with Trump four more years? But I felt better about it. And I was like, finally, finally decided um, because of that Facebook post. Hey, guys, thanks for listening, as always. And if you'd like to help us keep the lights on, our Patreon link is in the show notes. Say that again. Say what you just said. (laughs) I said, uh, I can't do the whole. All right. Yes, you can. You can do it. Great episode, Emily. Oh, man. <laughs> Come on. <laughs>